So this guy is being honored by one of these, you know, pro-humanity you know, organizations. And, uh, and, and he's going to be, he's one of among many, he's going to be honored. And so he gets up and they're saying, uh, they talk about his background and all the great stuff that he's done. He's, he's given millions to uh, this organization. He's headed up this organization. He, he fought for justice and freedom, whatever, okay? He's just one of those, one of those events. And then without further ado, John Smith. And everyone's clapping, clapping, and he comes up to the podium and he says, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for this incredible honor. But, but who am I? I, I, I am nothing in the eyes of, of God. Uh, I'm just, you know, yes, I've done all these things and such like, but, but who am I? And everyone's like nodding and thinking, wow, this, what a great man, what a great man. And, uh, and then he finishes up his speech, he takes the little award that they give him and he sits down. And then they go to the next guy, and uh, David uh, Chappell, we'll call him. And, and he gets up, and he, he says something similar. He goes, oh, thank you so much for this honor. Uh, you know, but uh, I have to echo the words of Mr. Smith. I, who am I? I, I am but nothing. I, yes, I've done all this stuff. I built this bridge. I, I built that wing for the, the cancer ward and uh, this hospital and such. But who am I? I am but nothing in the eyes of God. I'm nothing. And another man does the same thing, and yet another man. And finally, you know, uh, and, and everyone's going to, you know, they're pausing now, it's time for dinner, to everyone enjoy their meals, as they usually have at these fundraisers. And um, the, a janitor has been listening to this whole thing. And he is so moved by these speeches that he feels he, that maybe that he would like to say something. And he just taps on the microphone and it says, Ladies and gentlemen, I, I hate to interrupt your dinners, but I just want to say I was so moved by what you have all said and, and, and all you've done. And, and, and who am I? I I'm, I'm just a janitor. I just work the field, this building here, but you've touched me so much. I, I am truly nothing in the eyes of God. And one of the previous honorees turns to the other honoree and goes, huh, look who thinks he's nothing. <laughs> so... <laughs> so you have to achieve right. something that's right. to the, be nothing in yeah. the eyes right. of God. Now, it, it reminds me of uh, <laughs> when I was a little boy, I was about 11 or 12. Uh, I remember going to, um, my dad had he was had a business uh, event that he was together with. And I, I, I tagged along. And this man that he was having lunch with uh, was driving in his car. We were driving back from lunch. And it was a very nice car. I remember that. I was in the back seat, of course. My dad was in the passenger front seat. And my dad was telling me about how extraordinary this man was. And he goes, Barack, I want you to know that, I forget his name, we'll call him Mr. Smith. I remember he was Hungarian. So we'll call him uh, Zabo or something like that. Mr. Zabo uh, is a really quite an extraordinary man. He did this. He did that. He did that. He, he went on and on. It really, by every measure, he was an extraordinary man. And... Uh, I, I listened, and I was very impressed. And the, the Mr. Zabo, every once in a while, said, "Please, I, I'm. Not, it's not. It's not all that, uh, Barack. You know, don't, don't be too impressed. It's. It's. And then my dad paused, turned to me, he smiled, and he said, "You see, Barack, Mr. Zabo has earned the right to be modest. I, I never forgot that. He's earned the right to be modest." Now, 
who can we think about that reflects that and who does not reflect that from a, say, political realm? I just don't know. I, I'm, I'm really scratching my, my head and, and trying to fit. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the greatest man we can think about, we were talking about this offline, Reagan, of course, who was the extraordinary example of modesty, laughing at himself, right? Using the word we all the time, saying that I can't do it all by, by myself. And as I, as I discussed uh, on, on a podcast a couple of times ago, I think, where uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, one of his uh, great plaques in his office, in the Oval Office, was there's no telling how far a man can go so long as he gives credit to where credit is due, right? And, and that's what he did. He was busy doing that, giving it all away. Just give it away, is what we said. And that was, that was true modesty. True modesty. Um, and, and I don't think that you can see this anywhere in the president known as Barack Obama, who, despite having a great first name, uh, has no real sense of, of what it means to be modest. He certainly has not earned any right to be modest because he's done nothing of any extraordinary gift, right? He, he wants, he's still, he's still in that busy mode like a child trying to, to show, look at me, look at me, I can do this, right? Um, he reminds me of, of our kids, right? Where they say, Daddy, I, I can jump this high. Look at me, look at me. Like, he's so busy trying to get accolades. And so, and for a man who really has done very little other than actually hurt the country, in terms of his actual achievements, I'm talking about Obama, of course, uh, he grabs onto whatever he can. I, I arranged for the killing of Osama bin Laden. And I, well, frankly, I don't quite know what else he can <laughs> assign credit to. He was there. I mean, he, did, he definitely gave the, the go-ahead to kill bin Laden. But putting that aside, <laughs> I mean, that's it? You know, you want to take credit for Obamacare, be my guest, but we know that that's, an, that's a monstrosity. Even Bill Clinton recognized that. But the modesty issue, it was so interesting to me. But, but what is it about Democrats that they feel this need, this, this bizarre need to force everyone to listen to them, to do what they want, to, to take credit for all these things, to, to announce themselves constantly? And it, it dawned on me as I was driving my car with uh, my older son. He, he noticed something very interesting. There was a car in the distance. And... All we could see, all we could tell was this car had a bunch of bumper stickers, okay? Just, it must have been 10 bumper stickers, if not more, you know, plastered on the back of the car. And, and, I, and I said, okay, we, we, we're, we were about to come up to the car. And I said, before we can read any of the bumper stickers, I turned to my son and I said, son, what do you think they say? <laughs> Is, are, are they liberally oriented or conservatively oriented? Quick. And he goes, he smiled and he says, liberal, of course. And I said, well, let's see. And we, draw, we drive by and we see Planned Parenthood, uh, coexist, uh, war is not the answer. Bernie uh, Sanders. Yeah, meat is murder. Uh, Bernie, I, am, I am the 99%. Yeah. Right, so things like this, yeah. right? I mean, almost every, I mean, it, none of them were very original, by the way. You've seen them all before, but I forget exactly which ones, but they were clearly you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, the 1%, you know, the 99% and so on. 
I, the coexist was definitely there, and war is not the answer was was there too. And, and oh, and uh, farm locally or whatever it is, and yeah. eat uh, or think globally, that kind of nonsense. So, <laughs> I just thought it was so obvious to both of us that this clearly was a liberal. A conservative may have a bumper sticker, of course, but it would be like support your local police, NRA, or NRA. <laughs> Done. Thank I you. I support my troops. Right. You know? Something nice and simple. Um, and just one. Yeah, one. There's never more than one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's give let's allow for the possibility of two, but it's not going to be like that car. <laughs> right. Right. Whenever you see a lot of bumper stickers, you're about to enter liberal land, right? <laughs> and and so so okay, why? Why is that the case? And and it kind of dovetails into what we were we've just been talking about. It's so important for them to announce who they are, what they believe. We, we, they, and not only that, but they have to throw it in your face and, and, and not just tell it to you, but order it, bark it at you. Uh, support Planned Parenthood now, you know, like that. Uh, don't want an abortion? Don't have one or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, a woman's choices or, or uh, yeah, there was another one. It was about the woman's role. And it's something about women being really fantastic. Whatever it was, women were great and men were, were bad. Okay. And... <laughs> Uh, and they're just barking at you, these these liberals. Why? Why is that, Ari? And I, and I, I, I have my answers of my own. But what do you think? And these are well, all suppositions on my part. It's it, 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 it's all one loop. Um, you know the the saying: you have to be really really good to be humble. The the honest answer in all that is humility is the starting point of greatness. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Ronald Reagan was humble his whole life. Uh, people I know, many of them who are extremely successful and great men who are that humble in today's life, uh, didn't learn their humility after they put their first four or five billion in the bank. Right. The humility right. was actually always there. Yeah, and that's right. And a lot of people who are complete failures don't have any of that. Mm -hmm. And they know that because they're always promoting something that's external of themselves. This person does not work at Planned Parenthood. This person does not run a local mosque oh, it's a good or point. a church yeah. or a synagogue or attend any of the three and then say, hey, coexist. I go to all three. Matter of fact, it's an atheist, that's <laughs> most right. likely. That's exactly which right. It's really ironic that the that it makes the whole coexist bumper sticker even more ironic because there are, it's only religious symbols. The person driving around that doesn't believe in God. <laughs> so the point is, it's it's a symptom of people who are like that who know they're nothing. Right. Who right. this is a way of of demonstrating to themselves. It's like the child who says, "Look how high I can jump." Right. I'm special. These people are in desperate need to to get attention. Right. The child does that because the child is young and does not yet believe it. Right. He needs someone else to see it to and verify it for yeah. him that, yes, I can jump this high. Uh, golf is like this. I, I play golf. And a lot of time with golf, only you see your great shot. 
Yeah. And one of the things you have to lose in golf, it's like being a Jedi Knight, is the need for other people to see your great shot and tell you about it. That's right. I'm at the point now where I hit a great shot when it does happen, and it's rare enough that it's special enough. And someone says, great shot. I just say, thank you. I acknowledge that they said it, but it doesn't matter at all to me. They saw it. It matters to me that I that's saw right. it. That's and exactly And that's the right. way successful people are. Mm-hmm. I saw it myself. I don't need other people to see it. And if people notice it, I'm humble and I thank them for noticing. Right. Uh, one of the things that I've told my uh, children, uh, and, I, and I, I encourage all people to have, who have children who are, let's say, uh, above the age of seven, to tell them, because, you know, below seven, they won't necessarily understand. But above the age of seven, sometimes eight, depends on your kid, to tell them that the day that they express that they don't care what somebody else says about them is the day, is the day that they're really growing up, okay? And I will tell you that just recently, for example, there was a field trip that my school uh, took on. What was the field trip, you ask? It was for third grade. My daughter's in third grade. They were taking them to a uh, homeless shelter. And the idea was that my kid, not, not only are taking them to a homeless shelter to see th- 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 how they live and such, but also that we are, the kids are supposed to make lunches for the homeless people. Okay? So, <laughs> and I, and you know, my, my daughter, of course, had, had gone to me ahead of time. Can you please sign this permission slip to go to this field trip? And I looked at it and I said, you know, I'm not excited about it, but I'll sign it. You do with it what you want. You don't have to go. Not by my, by my account, at least. You know, mommy may want you to go. I, I don't know. But I don't, I don't really care for if you, for you to go. I think, frankly, it's, uh, it, it's not teaching you anything. A field trip is supposed to teach you something. Right. You're supposed to visit people you aspire to be. <laughs> right. A classic field trip would be one where you go to uh, learn about the dinosaurs. Yeah, for or example. Griffith Observatory. Sure, you know, learn about the stars. stars. Uh, go to botanical gardens to see how plants, exotic plants from different places bloom and why they are, whatever. Um, but this was, I mean, you could say, well, this is learning about people who are not as fortunate as you are. Okay, I get that, but you don't need to. That's not part of the learning process. Uh, well, we, we teach them to be good people at, at this school. And I said, you know what? That's my job. Thank you very much. Teach them about photosynthesis and uh, the, the very planets, reading, writing, math, yeah. and, and we're good. Okay? I'll take care of the, the goodness part. Thank you. Yes. Okay? And the charity part. And don't, don't make my, my daughter make lunches for these homeless people. <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? But again, like I said, I signed the permission slip, and she made the choice to not go. Okay, and I and I and I said, you know what? I'm I'm proud of you. you you're not doing it for me. Do it for yourself. And uh, and so fortunately, she did not go. And we timed it so that she'll come back. And it was a very short field t- trip. It was only from you know 8:32, and they were back at 11:15, less than three hours. And we we timed it so that she would get back in class at, at you know the same time that they arrived. And she told me later on that. Some of the girls in her class said, well, that was really rude of you not to go to the field trip. And she seemed like in, in positive energy. She wasn't mopey about it at all. And I said, uh, well, what did you say? She, she said, I don't care what you think. You know? And, and I love that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what do they call that in Yiddish mothers? Nachas or, you know? Well, but it's I like feel I don't care joy. what you think. What, what do I care what you think? You know, that is a, a fantastic response, right? Yes. And you can just imagine the girls like, wait a minute, you're supposed to care what I think. Well, I don't care. Right. You know, be, be the B-I-T-C-H 
that you're going to be inevitably be. And, uh, and I'll go my way. Thank you very much. You know, I'm, I'm, I am proud of her. And I hope she sticks with that. But I must say, one of the advantages, you know, I know it'll come as a shock to some of my listeners, but you know, I'm vegan, or I should say pesca vegan. I will only have fish, and only kosher fish at that. Um, no butter, no meat, no chicken, nothing, no turkey. Pork, of course, is totally out. Um, no butter, uh, milk, cheese. And so, and, and I raise, we raise our kids that way too. They haven't had a drop of dairy, for example. It's very shocking to some people. And they're very healthy, they're strong, they're on all, all the athletic teams. In fact, they're, they're taller and stronger than a lot of the other kids on the team. They don't get sick very often. I'm not here to preach about veganism. I am, however, here to preach about something that I didn't expect to happen as a result. Putting aside the, the virtues of veganism, I'm not even talking, it's not what I'm talking about. The fact is that they're doing something that's different. The, and, and they have had to, since day one, be different in one very important area, which is the way they eat, right? Well, guess what? Something else happened as a consequence I'd never expected, which is that they are immunized, that they have a sense of being able to say, I'm different, so what? Right? That's just the way I am. And so they can do that with other things now. They're, they're immunized. It's wonderful. I had no expectation of it. It's just a, another great positive result of, of doing this one thing. It doesn't have to be veganism. It can be something else, right? It could be conser- being a conservative in a very liberal school, for example. That, that's that my too. kids. That's your kids. That's my kids. And, so, and, and it's really healthy for them. So it forces them to be ready to be on the debate, to understand that they don't have to always do what everyone else says. It's, it's great. It fights peer pressure in a beautiful way. And it does one more thing that I don't think you've thought of. Mm, tell me. And I, I, I'm only assuming you haven't thought of this because you haven't mentioned it. It prevents them from imposing their will or having the desire to impose their will for other people to conform to them as well. Yes. Um, uh, okay. I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I'm not only... saying that they're going to be, you know, godlike children who will never make a cross remark to another kid about something. And that would be, you know, an unrealistic. Well, they're used to, they're used yeah. to rejection in a sense because uh, they do talk. When kids ask them about being vegan, for example, or being conservative, they, they, they hawk their wares and they say, look, uh, this is why and this is, I think it's much better for you. And they're used to uh, about half the kids saying, that's interesting. And now the other half is saying, that's crazy, man. <laughs> that's crazy. So they're used to it. They don't have to worry about making sure that everything they say is acceptable to the vast majority out there. As I've said before on this show and otherwise, it's good to, to be counter to the conventional wisdom in, in at least one way, whatever it is, okay? It, hopefully it's not too crazy, like you, you should believe that gravity still you know, <laughs> exists, right? <laughs> but, but you get the idea, right? I mean, in my case, it's being vegan. To a lesser extent, it's being conservative because there are many more conservatives yeah, than vegans. Yeah, we're not vegans. advocating for Charles Manson's version of right. being different than being different. everyone else. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's, you know, you just got to... We're know. talking about Einstein and Chopin right. and Mozart, right. not yeah, yeah. Manson. You're, yeah, look, a, a, an innocuous thing, for example, would be that I don't believe in, uh, it's not about me, I'm just inventing something now. I don't believe in eight hours sleep. I think that you should have one hour sleep every four hours, let's say. And I think that's much healthier. For whatever reason, if you believe that, fine. You're not hurting anyone else, but you're different than, than the rest of the crew, so to speak. 
Anyway, go, going back to the whole modesty issue, and uh, because we, we talked about putting ourselves out and being different, uh, I think that when I look at Obama, uh, just recently, for example, he gave a farewell speech um, to adoring fans, right? Because, and, and as you pointed out, Ari, it was uh, very unusual because it was uh, to, to a big audience as opposed to just talking to, to, the, to the camera with the help of, of, of teleprompters from the Oval Office, but he doesn't do that. He does it instead, you know, because he needs the accolades. He needs the feedback that every time he opens up his mouth, huge adoring fans will say, you know, God knows what of, of whatever he wants them to say. In some cases, he, they shouted out four more years, you know, apparently not realizing yeah, as that if you, he was running for office. Right. Again. <laughs> but I, I get it. They were being cheeky and, they, 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 you know, we liked you so much. We wish you could have another four years. You were so great to us. And, and if, if any one of them turn to each other and say, yeah, yeah, let's give examples. And then they'll say, yeah. Well, it's, it's a little bit like in Life of Brian, you know, like, what have the Romans ever done for us, right? And it's, it's the reverse of what I'm talking about, of course, because the Romans actually did do provide a lot to all the occupied areas that they, that they occupied. But <laughs> then they actually thought about it like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you yeah. know, he, he really did do nothing. Yeah, but to be fair, those people yeah. in that room, got the goodies remember those are teachers union members and political cronies and you know those solyndra those are the people who did get stuff you know all right but apparently there weren't uh, there weren't enough of them <laughs> out there to, to actually win uh, what a bunch of fools um you know it's interesting when when they uh when they talked about anyway so modesty is what we're talking about and being able to understand you know that you're nothing and you really are nothing in the eyes of god Compare to Reagan's farewell speech when, when he spoke uh, so eloquently about freedom. There, there's, there was very little about himself. He only talked about in these past eight years. That's, to that extent, he talked about himself. But he, he was always saying, we did this, we did that. You know, we advanced the cause of freedom because that's all he cared about was yeah, and, freedom. And he said, we advanced the cause of the world here and around the world. Right. Right, and, and he said at some point, and I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me, but he said, you know, it's so important that we understand that we are the cause, uh, that, that our mission is liberty and freedom, and that maybe more importantly, that the, that the rest of the, of the world sees us that way as well. Yes. And, and, and he gave an example of, of uh, when they, they rescued some people from Vietnam who were boat people, basically, and the first thing they said, are you the people of freedom? And, and he, Ronald Reagan, loved that so much. It was so touching to him. It's as if he was, he felt like he was just presiding. That that's what apparently what a president does, that he presides, right? During Is that a time. why they don't call the president the strong man dictator for life? Well, now you're being silly. <laughs> yeah, of course you're right. I'm just making sure. Yeah, that's, you're right. That's the reason. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly right. He presides and, and he helps you know, steer the, the ship in, in, in a direction which is a positive direction, but it's not for his benefit. It's for the country's benefit and, frankly, for the world's benefit. And, and he said, look, I, I never sought to be in politics, I, I just, but I saw that it was important to do so because freedom was at stake. And I wanted to do my part, my little part, whatever it could be, to help steer the, the, the ship toward freedom. And I hope we've achieved it. We, we, we. The whole thing is we. And by comparison, the Obama farewell speech not only used the word I, I mean, I think you counted it 
Uh, oh, right. I didn't count it. It was on the front page of the Drudge Report. Okay. He said I 75 times in 57 minutes. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, in 57 minutes, 57 Islamic states. That's right. He loves 57. And that hind sauce, too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But not only did he use the word I so often, he also only spoke about, you know, forgetting that he, he actually is... is talking to all of America, not just his own political party. This is not a farewell party to the Democrats. This is supposed to be a farewell speech for all, to all of America. And, you know, we tuned out of him uh, because of that. I mean, look, it, the, the, the nicest thing he said during the entire speech, in my mind, was that he said that we're going to soon see the very peaceful transition of power, um, and I'm going to make it as smooth and, and silky as possible for the new president as Mr. Bush made it for me. President Bush made it for me. Uh, well, let's see whether or not he does that, let's, uh, whether he's a gentleman about the whole process. I think he's been pretty terrible in the process so far. But I, I do know that, that George Bush was fantastic in his transition to Obama as much as he would have preferred uh, McCain uh, to have won in 2000, yeah, 2008. Yeah, like, it's not like Bush, who have actually had cause to do this started a war with Iran during the transition period. Right, there you go. Which he very easily could have for very good reasons, oh. and you and I would have wished he had done. Right. But he didn't. He right. said, "I have a, there's going to be someone following me. It's his ball game. Right. Have at. Well, this leads to the next uh, point, and actually very, a very good segue, because I, I call it the, the forget-me-nots section of this, this podcast. What forget-me-nots is Obama going to be leaving for Trump? Meaning, what do I mean by that? I mean, how is he going to try to you know, fix this, the stage in such a way that it's gonna be very difficult for Trump to, to get out of it, right? I mean, you, you, know, you hear these terrible stories sometimes of, of people leaving um, uh, apartment buildings and such, and they leave like feces throughout the walls, right? Inside the wall, so you can't really find, find it. You just know that the apartment smells terrible. That's a good one, right? <laughs> oh, you! Oh, I shouldn't have told Ari about this idea. He's he's thinking he's a tenant. <laughs> he's pretty angry with his landlord. I know that. <laughs> He'll find a way. No, no, just for the for the medium of radio, it was a funny little <laughs> remark. That's all. Yes, so. yes. Anyway, so people, you know, especially during the construction part, they they right. put this on, and then you know the, the whole building has to be torn down. In order for it to to uh, to unwind that smell. Yeah, union auto workers used to hang a little nut on a string inside the door, so it would slam against the inside metal of the door. Ding, ding, ding! Driving the driver crazy, it would you know, take you back to the shop over and over again. Right. There's this knocking. There's this pinging. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a strange, uh, you know, it's a strange attitude. But the, but it is petty, right? We yes. talked about the petty presidency. And it relates to that, but he he will leave little forget-me-nots because he is a petty man. Right, the He's way not, the Clinton people took the W's off the keyboards. For sure, they, they like thought that. they were being cute, and and all said and well, you know, all said and done, you know, it, it costs so much, you know, it costs only so much to replace the keyboards. Fine, uh, it's a little kind of a cute thing. You can you can laugh at about it. I don't think the the Bush administration would have done that to Obama and didn't do it to Obama, um, and, and nor would um, the Reagan uh, administration do that. Because you know what, we're grown-ups; they're not. Okay, they, they think that this is a fraternity, like an animal house. We think it's uh, it, it's an important uh, institution to uphold. This is about America. It's not about you know 
playing, uh, just having fun games and, and party tricks. But for them, it is party tricks. It's, it's always been that way. This is why they, they, um, they have no problem engaging in riots. and They have no problem blocking traffic. They have no problem doing so many of the things they do. Uh, just, just for example, uh, whether it's political or otherwise, they, they will storm the beach, so to speak. They, will t they took over. Remember the Wisconsin legislature? They took that over. I guess it was their version of the, the Congress in, um, in Wisconsin. They completely took it over. Why? To complain about Scott Walker's attempt to bust the unions, right? To make it a um, right-to-work state. And they hated that. And so they did everything. They occupied the place. Now, had, had Republicans done that, they would say, this is childish. This is horrendous. This is a, an attack upon our democracy. But when they do it, it's totally fine. Then it's, yeah. then it's a, that's an expression of democracy. This is wonderful. Let yeah. freedom reign, sort of thing. Right. You and I so often talk about preserving children's innocence, which means, like the story you gave about that shelter field trip, means saying no about things that should be in front of them. Right. And liberals love to show children these riots, these, mm -hmm. these protests, which are extremely scary yeah. and loud and disorderly. That's true. Even if they are technically legal, based on, you know, First Amendment right of assembly and all mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. But they love to demonstrate these things. An example of a non-political -de demonstration one you see here in uh, Los Angeles is the way West Hollywood looks on the June gay anniversary parade in June and Halloween night in, in West Hollywood, where people of alternative sexual orientation and lifestyles decide not to parade around in Halloween costumes, but dresses in, in sexually suggestive and inappropriate things for all to see right there on the street. Yeah. And liberals tell us how great this is, so children can see. Yeah. Um, and oh, they, they never think of the children. Not for a moment do oh, they no, think of no, the children. Oh, no, no, no. They think of the children, but they... No, 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 no. No, they do. They just want them to be aborted. Oh, okay. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but they want, they no, just no, don't but, want but, children. But, but, but the point is they yes. don't think of the children. Yes. That This is why the mayor, after the hockey uh, team won, that the Kings won, he said, uh, this is a uh, effing, he used the F word. Yes. And something else as well um, that was just totally offensive. And like, uh, do, you, do you not realize that children will be watching this? Yes. Right? This is not 11 o'clock in the evening. Uh, and even then you shouldn't be doing it because it's just so classless. And then the same thing with the Super Bowl when the Janet Jackson thing, right? The wardrobe malfunction, as they called it. And this is during primetime, and kids are watching for sure. And what, what are you doing? They, they, they couldn't care less about the children. But let's not get into that. Um, it, it, it reflects a childishness. The, the liberal mantra is a childish one. I remember, and I've said it a couple times now, when Ronald Reagan became president, the first thing I thought was, hmm, Maybe this is good. Maybe it feels like the adults are in charge. I remember that, not even realizing that this might be important. But I, I never had a sense that the Democrats were really grown up. The Republicans were. And this is what I feel right now. You know, you could put all the Trump tweets uh, that you like and such like that, uh, you know, and, and claim that they're childish and such. And to some extent, you know, I'm not so thrilled with them either. It, you know, it reflects a little bit of a thin skin, and that's not such a good thing about him. At the same time, notwithstanding that, I think he's far more mature uh, and that the administration that he's going to be bringing in will be an administration of grown-ups. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, especially compared to Obama and all the childish things that he has done. Uh, just just the, every way that he's comported himself in terms of 
trying to take credit where credit is not due. Uh, try to lay blame where blame was not <laughs> to be had and that where he had the, the real responsibility. Um, and, and, and being so testy and pouty. Yeah, and sticking his big fat face and nose in every Everything. little thing that had no business from and then blithely ignoring things that required his attention. Right, example, um, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon and right. Michael Brown right. and Henry Louis Gates and all these Freddie Gray, all these race riots. Right, and, and then, then doing nothing when it came to the murder rate in Chicago. Yeah, or uh, terrorism. Terrorism, generally speaking, in America and abroad. Right. When the Christians were being slaughtered, uh, the, the, the Yazidis and the yeah. I, and ISIS, doing what they did. And, and you know, he, he paid lip service to it only because he was forced to pay lip service to it. Right. And for those of you out there, and I know people like this don't listen to the show because you're so intelligent, but, uh, you know, Russia invades Crimea and he just uses the, that pensive, you know, uh, stick up the butt kind of attitude he has. Well... I have to think about this a while. Meanwhile, fake news story. Now he's trying to, speaking of forget-me-nots, create a war with Russia. Just leave it on a platter for Trump. Oh, yeah. Day one. Yeah, war for... with Russia. Good luck being president. No. See? Not easy. Right. Well, what he said about the Russia at the time, by the way, when he eventually did get to it, he said, well, Russia will find that there are consequences to these things and they're not going to like it. You know, and, and he warned them with his great wisdom, of course, because he has such great experience being a community organizer and an ice cream scooper, as you know. Yeah, can so, I make one point about that? That is, uh, I believe, a forget-me-not that is being left. Yeah, the situation with Ukraine to review is Ukraine was a nuclear-armed country that, during the Clinton administration, signed an in perpetuity treaty with America that America would respond militarily and defend them forever in exchange for giving up nuclear weapons. And by Obama breaching that treaty, the forget-me-not that he's left from this day forward for the end of time, is now no country will ever willingly give up nuclear weapons again. Yeah. In exchange for promises. Yeah. I mean, what a horrible thing. Because what if we're dealing with Iran? And what if it takes a few years, God forbid, or even let's just say it takes six months to get rid of that government? And, and yeah. Trump does it like this. Let's just say there's a miracle. But there's a new government in Iran. Let's just say it's relatively democratic. Let's say it's relatively anti-theocratic. But they have a few nukes. And we say, okay, give them up. Well, no. No, you need to give them up. Uh, we'll offer you treaties and protections. You mean like you offered the Iranians? Of I mean, course, the Ukrainians? of course. No, thank you. No, he's, he's got little forget-me-nots uh, all, all throughout the place. Uh, that's one good example. Yeah. The other forget-me-not that's going to be happening is, uh, and we brought this up before, is that he's going to uh, stop. Uh, he did the executive order with the, the oil drilling issue so that he's banning oil drilling. Uh, offshore everywhere through the United States. Yeah, so when Trump and, reverses it, the media will say, he wants dirty air and water. That's right. He's, he's not the environmental uh, president, of course, not remembering. And, 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 and so what Trump has to do at that point is to simply say, you know, we've found a tremendous number of executive orders. In other words, he needs to simply announce, you know what? Obama has put feces in the walls, okay? And now we have That's to right. tear it down and we have to pull out the feces. In fact, we have to restructure the whole building because of this so that you know so we're not wasting your money, nor are we reversing anything. We're simply, we have to reverse it, rather, uh, because that's, the, that's what he's left us. And we are cleaning up his mess. Thank you very much. Yeah. And he has to be very bold about it, and I think he, he has no trouble being bold about that. The other thing that um, is a forget-me-not is the whole situation with Israel, right? He is, uh, you and I are predicting this, and we've said this a long time ago. I think we said it as, as recently as six months ago that before he leaves the office, he will do whatever he can 
to support the recognition of a Palestinian state in the West Bank. Okay? And, and for that matter, in Gaza, because Gaza is now effectively yeah, as much, Palestinian as anyway. As much Israeli Jewish real estate as he can will yeah. be. He'll, he'll, he'll take it away. And um, he'll just want to kind of push that forward as much as possible. And then, of course, Trump will, that's a forget-me-not, because Trump will have to undo that somehow. Likewise, with gun control laws, he's going to be forcing that upon us as much as possible. Uh, likewise, with abortion funding, likewise with uh, Obamacare, of course, trying to uh, so-called rectify, you know, create these executive orders that, that create what we call poison pills. Have you heard this expression, poison pill? Yeah. All right, for, the, for our, audi- our, our listening audience, uh, some of whom may, may not know, it's a business term where you can create uh, a CEO or, or, for that matter, you know, worrying about a, a takeover from another, a hostile takeover. Because public companies can be taken over and they can be taken over hostily. You know, you think, oh, you have a company. Well, you don't have to, you know, let anyone take over your company. Well, yeah, you do if it's a if it's a publicly traded company. Because you have people to can just buy massive amounts of shares. Well, for sure, and and they can say, you know, tough luck. This is what you signed up for. You understood the risks that somebody would take it over, and you have a duty to your uh, shareholders, and that's why. So, so they can build in, however, these little rules that, to the extent that there's a hostile takeover then the new owner has to do X. And X usually is a very formidable, undesirable thing that actually will defeat the whole purpose of acquiring the company in the first place. Yeah, pay and, every janitor $20,000 an hour. Sure, right, exactly. Something like that. Speaking of the janitors who are nothing. There, right, that's right. right. Now there's something. <laughs> right. Now we can be <laughs> humble. <laughs> oh, man. Sp- speaking of which, by the way, janitors are far more than nothing. Garbage men are far more than nothing. And I heard this from Dennis Prager, so I want to give him credit. Uh, he, he said, he said, how, how often he said, how much good, no, his brother, who is a doctor, Dennis's brother is a doctor and a very well-known surgeon. He said, garbage men, garbage men have done so much more for the health of a community than any hospital ever has. That's right. And, and he's hundred percent right. Intuitively, it makes sense. Yeah. As so, has the plumber as and the janitor. The janitor. And, yes. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, so thank, thank God for them, and they are doing God's work. They are keeping the infrastructure of our society together, and they're doing it well. Okay, uh, so where were we now at this well, point? Well, poison pills. Oh, yeah, poison pills. Yes. So, so, so they, they create these poison pills in order to make it very uh, undesirable to acquire the company in the first place. Likewise, that's what Obama is doing for Trump, okay? And, and it's not as—I mean, Trump is going to be acquiring the, comp- uh, the country, so to speak, taking over the reins— but he wants to make it so difficult for him. And so, and so that, so he, because he's competing with Obama's legacy, you understand, because he wants to preserve his legacy and he doesn't have, want to have it unwound. So he's creating poison pills in the Obamacare uh, system, whereby uh, it, it'll be so onerous to undo that particular executive order that, uh, that it'll, it'll make Trump look very bad at the end. Yeah. Obamacare it's- itself is already a big problem. It's already, it, it's like a heroin addiction. Uh, that uh, that now you're saying, well, you got to stop the heroin addiction. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's very painful yeah, that, that withdrawal. Doesn't feel good, it, and but here, you but you got to do it. Yeah, and here's uh here's one uh, the whole Guantanamo uh, terrorists in jail being released. That's a whole forget me not. Yeah, good point. I mean, yeah, they're out, they're out these, in the wild at this point. These are the worst of the worst, and and uh, now you've put them back in the field, and you're. So Trump will have to recapture them, yeah. refine them, restop their plans. Right. And what happens when 
and, and it, it's not a question of if, but when these bastards go back and, and, and blow something else up and kill another 20 to 200 people or orchestrate another uh, terrorist attack like you saw in France, in, in, in Paris, and Nice in the same year, these horrific killings, and, and what then? President Obama, and and what about your own legacy? Aren't you aren't you smart enough to at least see that far ahead? Isn't it possible for you to to contemplate the possibility that these same terrorists are going to be doing the exact same things, or or just does it just feel good to release these people for the time being, and that's the legacy well, you think will that you yes. think will stick? And if so, then then shame on you because you're you're clearly a moron if you believe that to be the case. But I like that as a, as a poison. Sorry, as a uh, forget me not. Because uh, th- there's no real excuse, there's no justification for this, th- these releases uh, from Guantanamo. Not one of them, by the way. Uh, not one of them has been proven to be innocent, for example. Oh, we, I guess we had no evidence against them. We better release them. That, that wasn't the reason why they were released. Uh, he, he said, I just want to close down a, a Guantanamo, and that's that. And then, you know, and he never did. He, he was supposed to be... It was supposed to happen within one year of his presidency. Uh, you know, it would have been embarrassing if he did it in two years of his presidency. But he never did it in the eight years of his presidency. And and the question is, why was he so gung-ho about closing it down in the first place? And then secondly, why was he gung-ho about releasing so many of these prisoners? Why? What? Uh, just, why? Well, this is... And this is that's a horrible forget-me-not poison. No, 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 wait, wait. Why? 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 Because he wants the attacks to happen because of his affinity towards radical Islam, number one. And number two, he delayed because he wants the attacks to happen on the Republican successor's watch. If Hillary Clinton won the election, a lot of these bad guys would stay there. And then yeah. he gives the liberal uh, Democrat an issue where they could go, well, I'm trying to close it. The Republicans won't let me, right? Yeah. And the truth is, I'm not going to close it because I'm not dumb enough to have this attack happen on my watch. But when a Republican is coming in, have at. Similarly, uh, and they've, they've done this playbook before. Remember, all the plans of 9-11 were pretty much known by the intelligence agencies as the Clinton administration was winding down. Clinton missed killing Bin Laden on three occasions. They damn well knew something was going to happen. Yeah, damn well do. 9-11 is the Clinton's legacy, yeah. flat out. But convenient for them, it happened during the Bush years so they could use the media to blame Bush. The Mills calculation on Obama's part is he didn't predict having a Republican quite like Donald Trump who is destroying the media, which is a beautiful thing because that destroys the ability for these forget-me-nots and poison pills to right. boomerang on him. Well, look, I mean, the, the, the forget-me-nots are, are powerful. That There are... Um I mean, let, let's look at, we talked about it in the, in the world of terrorism. We talked about it in the world of healthcare. We, we talked about it in, in other, Israel, for example, as well. I, I wonder, because I, I know that he's going to be doing more and more of these things, the oil explore, exploration and such. So, so, look, it's one thing when, when um, you're, you're a new tenant. Sorry, you're, you're a tenant, you're, you're being kicked out, and you think unfairly so uh, because the landlord is too greedy, let's say. Okay, and he wants to jack up the rent three times. And you've been a good tenant. You've always paid your rent. And why doesn't he let you just pay uh, pay a little bit more instead? And, and 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 he says, no, no, you're out. So you're you're an angry tenant, and you start you know doing mean things in the, in the things. You, again, you leave little forget me nots, and you don't care about. Uh, and, and you even post something on Facebook and say, let's have a raging party, and you don't care about your security deposit. Okay, so the whole place gets trashed. 
Okay. Now, it's not as if, in, the, in that situation, you're being petty and stupid and childish and vindictive and such like that. You, you, know, you don't get that the landlord has his rights and such like that. I understand that. But only a child, a teenager or a young, young 20-something would do something like that. It's stupid. But in this case, with, with Obama, he, he's doing exactly those things, and it's far more vicious in its own way. It can actually lead to many people dying in the process. And it's not as if, you know, unlike the tenant example, who has no interest in who the next tenant is, right? He doesn't, the, the, the tenant is not interested in the successful transition of, of, tenant, of tenancy, yeah, of tenancy in this apartment building, right? It's not like that, right? But the president, as, as president of America, the presiding officer of America, should have an interest, especially when it's, when it's you know, his two terms are up, he can't run for a third term. You know, in, regardless of the party, that it, it presides peacefully, first of all, and that the country is successful. You know, take the attitude of, I want my president to do well, and I will be a citizen of, of America. I will be a very vocal citizen, sure, but I want Mr. Trump to do well. I'm, you know, I didn't vote for him, but I, I wish for him the best. And that's, that attitude is completely out. There, there's nothing there at all. And, and that's the ultimate, not only pettiness, but the forget-me-not. He's, 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 he's trying to ensure that everyone suffers in the process. That's right. That's, that's the goal, because he wants to stick it so badly to, to Trump and the Republican Party that he doesn't mind if, if all of America goes sinking with it. Well, it, you know what's I, I'm sorry. One, one last metaphor, because it's a, it's a good one. Uh, it's your show. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, you know. That's right. You want to do metaphors? Darn tootin'. Have that. Do twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and don't don't forget that. I won't. Anyway, uh, so I took no, it's as if you're, you're you're the captain of the ship, and uh, you've been relieved of the ship, and, uh, and now you say, okay, oh well, I'll show you. And he's still in the ship, by the way, you know. And he starts drilling holes in the bottom of the ship, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he'll say, take that, new captain, yeah. whoever you might be. Find the nearest rocks and iceberg. <laughs> Point it that way. That's right. I'm out of here. That's right. Yeah, 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 and stick and stick the steering wheel such that right. it hits the, whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. Drill holes, and it's going to go sinking. And then, and you're all smug with your arms crossed, and you say, "Ha! See how you like that, new captain." And then you, of course, are sinking along with the rest of, of the the crew and the passengers, and because you're a schmuck, that's why. What you should be doing is to say, "Listen, here are the controls," and maybe you're a little bit pissed about it, but here's what you got to do, and you know, take care of her, and you got to grease her up every once in a while. And this this little navigation thing, it sticks once in a while. You just got to tap it, and it should be okay. And you know, Johnny, he's really reliable. He knows the navigation and such like. Anyway, call me if you need me for anything, and. I'm here for you, and uh, I'm just going to take a rest now and, and enjoy. I hope you can do a better job than I did. Yeah, that'd be classy, right? But no, he. But he's in the he's in this friggin' ship with us. He keeps on lecturing as us as if he won't be a victim if if America and Western civilization falls to. As if his yes. daughters, his grandchildren, his generations from now won't suffer in the chaos and darkness of of barbarity. Wait, too. wait, wait, wait! You dare to think, you Ari David. Dare to think that liberalism even thinks more than than one week ahead, really? No, no. That, no okay, no. thank I'm you. Okay, making, I was worried. I was no, worried for a I'm second. I'm making the analysis of me thinking yeah. with care 
about right. his progeny because I care about people. Right. See, going back to the Ronald Reagan thing, Ronald Reagan cared about freedom, not for him and his family, but for all of us right. and for people around the world, knowing that free nations around the world are less likely, number one, to ever pose a problem for America, and number two, we'll have people living happily and in peace in perpetuity. Yeah, that's right. Only a man, you know, we used to have discussions early in the show about whether uh, with Obama it is Mm -hmm. um, deliberate or intentional. Right. And then the the conversation, once it became obvious it was intentional, was, well, why? Is he truly evil or is this political? Uh, Is he truly stupid or is this political or is he evil? Right. There's only one conclusion now that we're 10 days out from the end of him as, as president. This is deliberate. And the man is more than a schmuck. He is evil. He cares not at all about the suffering of people around the world. I I tweeted something earlier today that I thought was quite brilliant. I said, how funny that for a president whose entire ascendancy to power was based on the message of help, that he has wrought such unbelievable amounts of unmitigated human misery to so many. Yeah, he really has. Without caring at all that he is the direct cause of such misery. That's right. And that's part and parcel about why Ronald Reagan, and one point about Reagan. We talk about the great luminaries of history, and there are two great ones besides Reagan. I'll be fast. Mm -hmm. Jesus and Moses. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' case, he saved everyone through uh, the ability to be redeemed for one's sins. In Moses' case, he saved Israel from eternal bondage and freed more people in his time than any other. Ronald Reagan is the is the second chapter of Moses. If you look at the people suffering in the, if you will, the slave states of the Eastern Blocs and the Soviet Union, who he liberated, he liberated more people as one man in human history than any other human being, but yet is more humble about it than anyone. Right. Barack Obama, on the other hand, has caused just about as much human misery than any other human being in modern times, you know, post-Holocaust, post-Mao, post-Stalin times, and is more arrogant about it than any I, other. I agree. I just got to say that, first of all, I like what you have to, have to say, so I'll say that. But I'm even more impressed that you you were able to do it in one tweet with only 140 characters. So bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I am uh, an expert. <laughs> that's right. That's why you keep me around. <laughs> well, I don't know how you, you truncated that. Uh, all right. So, but but of course, I agree. With, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I, I don't know that he's evil incarnate. I think that he does evil things. We're talking about Obama, of course. Um, I think he does have an agenda. I think his agenda is very short-sighted. Yeah, but giving, oh, wait, 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 hang, giving hang nuclear weapons to Iran. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> the crucifixions what? and ISIS, really, and he's not evil. Hold on. <laughs> Effectively, of course. But you can see it in two different ways. He can see either directly that he wants crucifixions to use what you just said, that he right. wants the, the, the Iranians to have the nuclear bombs, or you can see it from the standpoint of I don't care. I don't give a crap what happens two weeks from now. I only care a crap about what happens one week from now. And and either of them fits that mold, right? Because he only cares about what feels good for the moment. That's why that Iranian deal, so to speak, not the treaty, but the deal, allows Iran to engage in, in nuclear armament, uh, you know, in, in eight years, all right? So what, what does he give a crap of what happens in eight years? Because that's a long time from now, baby, right? So right now he gets to say they ain't building nuclear arms. And I'm so great for that. Uh, and, and likewise for everything he does, whether it's Guantanamo or healthcare or anything else, he doesn't care 
uh, the fact that healthcare is collapsing before our very eyes. He doesn't care that ISIS has slaughtered so many people. He doesn't care that the whole Middle East pro uh, has gone to pot, except for Israel, thank God. Um, because on, on his watch, he gets to say that he killed bin Laden. He gets to say that his number one mission was accomplished of pulling out every single friggin' soldier from Iraq. He gets to say that he's going to draw down all the troops from Afghanistan soon enough, right? He, he, he gets to say all these things, and that's all that matters because that's his legacy. And when it, it all falls apart and unravels you know, very soon, much sooner than he, than he imagines, he'll get to say, it wasn't on my watch. Everything was just hunky-dory. Never mind that it wasn't, but he gets to pretend that it was hunky-dory during his watch because that's the way liberals think. Everything, it's the Bill Clinton factor, right? He did very well during the 90s, of course, not understanding that the connection was that the economy was roaring for other reasons altogether, not because of Clinton. And uh, on the contrary, everything he did that was, uh, that he actually engaged in many conservative things because he was forced to. But that's, that's another story. Yeah. Th this, is, this is the way they think. And, and this is why it all kind of, you know, comes together in a, in a nice one nice summary, I yeah. think. Could I make one more point that I think is part and parcel of the one All right, nice but summary? then I want to get and back. I'll, I'll do this really fast. It also has to do with the relationship of humility to gratitude. This is a man who spent $90 million of your and my money on vacations, and I don't feel like in his speech yesterday he appreciated it at all. Oh, of and course. if you look... No, at, he felt entitled to it. Right. It, it, well, I'm supposed to. Yeah. And then this is a man who, after eight years in a cushy job, with $90 million of vacation, when he goes on his final Air Force One flight, since he's living in Washington, it's not like he's going to take off, circle around, and land at the same airport. He's going to go on vacation again. As yeah. if in a, a vacation is what's appropriate after $90 million of vacations. I know. It's okay. okay. I, I don't know how that, that fit into but anything. But with the lack of gratitude <laughs> yes, and the uh, okay. lack of humility. Uh, all right. Now, I, okay, I understand that. I think you could have brought up a better example of that because he got so many other things going on. He he has no interest in the gratitude of of understanding that this position that he had was was one that was uh, that he should be grateful to have this position to be able to, um, uh, to take care of America to 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 get the car keys to America so to speak that that he's being entrusted with the safekeeping of America and its legacy and such. Instead, he he. You know, brings the military down to its knees. Uh, he elevates this this crazy notion, this crockpot notion called climate change, to to unheady uh, levels. It's it, it's bizarre, and waste not just wasting taxpayer money, but also changing the whole dynamic of the culture, uh, worsening race race relations, uh, creating incredible confusion in sex relations. Um, it, it's everything about it. There's just there's you know in the old days you could look. And, and I say the old days, you could, that means 2012, you, you can look through the world and see, okay, well, let's look at every country that we have any serious, <clears throat> you know, dealings with, you know, China, Russia, Iran, India, Canada, for that matter, Israel, of course, and see, are the relations better or worse or about the same? And <clears throat> in every respect, every respect that they are worse. There's, there's no way you can say it's any better. Even, it's even worse with ISIS, so to speak, right? In the sense that th they perceive us to be weak. So, okay, so they're bold, you know, they're, <laughs> they've gotten stronger. So it's clearly, it's a worse relationship. Uh, the whole Arab Spring nonsense and, and leading from behind. And uh, so that, those are the old days where you could just literally go to the, you know, as, as a way to remember 
how bad things are. You would just go to the map and just let, how about this country? How about that country? How about this country? And so on. And, and you can go east to west if you like in, in a circle or west to east if you like, whatever your, your, your preference, <laughs> right? And then you go north to south. You know, you go to Greenland if you like. I don't care. Yeah. Now, now, not only do you do that, <clears throat> but you also go through all the social issues too, right? You go through the issue of abortion. Has that improved? Okay. No, it's gotten far worse. You know, selling baby parts and such like that, and and somehow elevating Planned Parenthood to some sort of righteous level. Uh, then the gay marriage issue. It, you know, is that somehow a, a success for the the country? I don't know. I don't think so. And then then you have tra- transgenderism uh, and the race relations, like we just talked about. All and and then uh, minimum wage and uh, affirmative action, just uh, homelessness. All the social issues, just go through all, every single one of them and ask, has it gotten better? And there's no way you can say any of it's gotten better. Nothing. And, and the one achievement, and I put that in quotes, is, is Obamacare. And, and that, uh, you want to say, and you're proud of that? <laughs> right? Seriously? Yeah, you want to brag about that one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you want to go there. <laughs> uh, I mean, under what, in, in what universe is Obamacare a success? How can you possibly say that? So anyway, so you're going not only geographically, but also, you know, temporarily from a moral standpoint and a social standpoint, you go through every single, uh, you know, box. And, and how can these people want four more years? It's, it's unbelievable to me. And the only way, because not all these people want the destruction of America, right? Uh, Obama may. I, we're not so sure about that. But we do know one thing. The one thing that explains everything that's going on is that. If you only see one week ahead of you, then it may seem great. Because everything that we just discussed may seem great. Oh, I, pus- I pushed a reset button. That feels good. That's good, right? Uh, I-, I-, I created this thing called Obamacare, uh, where everyone's going to get uh, coverage now. That feels good. Never mind that it doesn't, of course, but you understand. It's the one-week phenomenon. And you can go down every single... The-, the $15 a minimum wage. That feels great. Never mind about what will actually happen two weeks from now, right? So it goes on and on like this. And, and it, I guess it kind of goes back to the whole bumper sticker thing, right? Where it's all about what feels good. Slap on as many bumper stickers as possible. And that's why we said, and that's why my son and I were so easily able to tell that that clearly was a car owned by a liberal. Okay? We'll talk with you next week.